Welcome back to another episode of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed. And we are here doing the baseball history. That's right. We're a bi-weekly baseball history podcast where the story catcher doesn't know what the story pitcher is going to be out there throwing them. And this 100th episode, Edzie. Yes, it's a big milestone, Sean. We finally got there. Yeah, we and did. Not Ed. that we really set out to get here, but we, we did it. We did it. And it's about a catcher. Oh, wow. It is about... A backup catcher. Oh, okay. That sounds about right for our podcast. <laughs> That's You're right. Plucking another player from obscurity. Yep. And where can people find us, Edzie, if they're joining us for the first time? Uh, they can find us on Twitter at Doing Baseball and on Instagram and TikTok at Doing Baseball. And I am on Twitter at Ed's Do Baseball. I'm on the X Twitter machine at Sean Do Baseball. And I definitely want to give a shout out to our favorite sponsor, our only sponsor, and our favorite beer, and that is Two Loons Brewing. You can find their IPAs and their lagers available at LCBOs across Ontario. Also, keep a lookout. Their brick and mortar location coming real soon, and uh, they got some fun stuff at, at your local bar, hopefully, as well. So keep a lookout for it. And as always, uh, please be of legal drinking age and, of course, enjoy responsibly. That's right. As as you will do now. I will. I will rejo- in, rejoice in, <laughs> insightfully. I mean, enjoy responsibly. I don't know if you're enjoying responsibly. It doesn't sound like you have been. Well, well, and we have <laughs> others with us enjoying responsibly today as well. Uh, this is a very monumentous occasion, and for our 100th episode, we we could not think of any two people better than than our good friends and uh, alumni. Uh, from past episodes. Uh, first of all, we have uh, JP joining us from California. JP, how are you? Hi, guys. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for coming back, JP. Oh, always, always a pleasure. It's it's my favorite podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. That's... Why'd you laugh? What, what was that about? I don't. <laughs> I mean it. Oh, I appreciate you. I appreciate. A hundred episodes deep into this, man. Well, you are my favorite uh, guitar player, and uh, well, oh. that's kind of mean because I'm sitting next to Spence as well. I was here. just yeah. But okay. uh, tell tell everybody about uh, about uh, what you do and uh, about your band. Uh yeah, no, I'm in a band called Stray Rebel Bullet. We just uh, can I. Should I plug now or should I? Yeah, go go plug plug. That's yeah, okay. that's why I'll, I'll plug away. I'll plug away. Yeah, no, we we just uh we got an album out. It's called The Form of Finality. Um, you can find it on Spotify. Uh, I just released a group of uh, solo kind of materials. Um, you can find that on Spotify. Uh, you just search for my name, Jean Poncelet, on Spotify. Amazing. Did I say Spotify enough times? No. One more. <laughs> Uh, Spotify. You. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on Spotify as well, everybody. And to my uh, left, uh, coming to you from Ontario, along with me and Edzi, uh, we have Spencer Levon from our Rock and Roll Eagles episode. Softball episode. Softball yeah. episode. Spence, how are you today? Pretty darn good, boys. Gotta say. Hey, welcome back to do some baseball, Spencer. I'm ready to do some baseball. To be honest with you, I mean, there's so much baseball to do these days. <laughs> it's, you're not lying and if we don't do it it's just not going to get done I feel so that's right yeah and well, it, it, you know if something's worth doing you got to do it yourself that's right that's right uh, speaking of doing stuff yourself you, uh, you you tune up some pianos in a, in around Toronto in the GTA yeah tune up pianos pianotuners.ca also have a metal band called Faceplant yeah that's right so you can check that out too if you're are if you so on blind. Spotify I bet you I am yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing uh, thank you guys so much for joining us we're going to do a little something different to lead off uh, Edzie hmm? what do you got for us we're going to talk a little bit and reminisce I think just a, a few minutes so if you want to just hear if you're just here for pure story probably cut ahead yeah you can cut ahead probably five minutes or so yeah yeah but we'll see well, anyway we'll see how how long we get into this we wanted to talk about you know we wanted to reminisce a little bit about some of our favorite episodes because we have got 
through a hundred. So I don't know. Do you want to talk about your the favorite episodes that you've done first? I mean, I really wanted to talk about my favorite episodes that you have done. Okay, well, I feel the same way, so I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll uh, concede, and sure, we could talk about the favorite episodes that I've done. So can I? You can I start? Sure. So first of all, uh, the million pieces of candy episode. I picked that as well. I listened to that today, and we were rip. At the beginning of that one, we rip on that it's our thirty-second or thirty-third episode. And that we, we have, you know, 90 new, or like, uh, we, we talk about 100 episodes like it's a, a, a fever dream at that point. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that, that one is... I don't is, remember that. That's very fitting. No, it's, it, that one's just a great one because it's, uh, it's, it's a pure ridiculous moment in baseball history. And I don't know. I, there, there are episodes that you kind of, like, have that like kind of, you know, set the bar. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of keep trying to knock that one down. I feel like that was a bar-setting episode. Yeah, I, I listened back to that one this morning, actually after making some notes just kind of from my own memory. And, you know, that that story sort of had a bit of everything. Like, uh, you know, it had some marketing and, like, contest history with the involvement of, you know, Tootsie Rolls. And thus, with the involvement, the the ridiculous prize of a million Tootsie Rolls. Didn't make you know, sense. And, and, and again, the ridiculous, uh, um, I, I can't think of the word, but how, how much that motivated Dave Concepcion. Like, he, he, he did it for his baby. You know? Do either of you guys <laughs> like Tootsie Rolls? I actually love them. Wow. Oh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> See? Dude, I bought one the other day. Seriously, last week I bought a Tootsie Roll just to reminisce. <laughs> Tootsie Rolls Tootsie Rolls are like wartime I, It's candy, funny. At the right? beginning of the episode, we're just talking shit completely. Well, okay. through the episode, I it feel like. It was made in, I believe it was 1886 or something like that. And I, I, I immediately that say, oh, that tastes like it was made in 1886. <laughs> it really does taste like the Great Depression or something. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those like you know like hard times candies it seems like yeah you know. it's like you weren't really meant to enjoy anything that much back then i feel like <laughs> the candy just represents a different time that's why it survived because times were so hard that that you know piece of shit was such a treat there you go <laughs> what is it though what, what is it made of because it's not chocolate listen right? to that it's episode a, yeah. jp it's like taffy we mixed with like on Sorry. black licorice no, but... or something it's 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 a mess oh. molasses okay. and okay. cocoa we do touch upon the history of how it's made and just a little fun fact i'll quickly mention is that uh the recipe does call for the previous day's batch to be mixed in with what they're making today so oh. there is a chance that the original 1886 or whatever Tootsie Roll mm-hmm. is in every little Tootsie Roll that you like ate. The one you ate however long ago you said you got it. It's the thing, though. It's Could like, I had... feel like that has more to do with just saving the money. You know, I don't think that was like an artistic, like, this is all about the candy. I think that's like, what do we do with all, all yesterday's batch? We'll throw it in the new batch, oh, asshole. Absolutely. We're trying to make some money no. here. Absolutely. It's not like a fine ramen or something that's been, you know, in the same pot <laughs> for the last hundred years, generation to generation. It's a, it's a damn Tootsie Roll, gang. Yeah, it's not going bad. <laughs> it's it's not like the mother dough, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like reusing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought it was like they, they reuse it for artistic purposes. You know, like the mother dough, like, sour, like sourdough bread. You got to get that original flavor in there. A bit of that patois <laughs> yeah. on it, yeah. Oh, yeah no, Maybe there's something to it. There you go. Well, moving on from Tootsie Rolls, I think, uh, I honestly, Edzie, my, my favorite episode that I, I will say that you taught me the most and brought somebody into the podcast that I, I never, you know, expected was the John Bender episode where uh, if you are unfamiliar with that episode it is uh, there there is a Hall of Fame pitcher uh, I'm gapping on his actual name right now but he's known as Chief Bender and his younger or older brother John has just a absolutely ridiculous side story and ends up dying in Edmonton. Yeah, and, and he stabbed it, a man on a boat. He did. It was his own coach. He stabbed on the boat. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> well, intoxicated. I wasn't trying to give it all. Away. No, that, that was just a. I I will say those two episodes for me from from you. I, I know there was another one I was thinking of, but those two in particular, those are my favorites. A hundred episodes in, 
Uh, if you haven't heard those two episodes, definitely, uh, Edzie, I think it's like your your finest work. Um, <laughs> well, so, thank you for saying that. I, I, it's weird that we agreed, but uh, anyway. yeah. What do you, What do you got? To well, I I said uh, another one that I wanted to add because I kind of there's so many that we've done right now that I I kind of looked at it. Um, some early episodes and some later episodes. So that was more of an earlier one. But a later one that I liked doing myself was the one on Charlie Faust. Oh, my God. You know? Oh, yeah, uh, that was the other one I was thinking of. Had his destiny sealed by a trip to the county fair. Yeah, and the fortune teller told him he'd lead the Giants to the World Series. Yes, yeah. And then the coach led him on the team because a fortune teller says that. Because McGraw was goddamn superstitious. But anyway, <laughs> that was one of my more favorite recent ones to, that is, to do. That was a hilarious one. Okay, so I guess we could move on from uh, talking about my episode. I was going to talk say. about yours. Uh, my favorite one that you did was uh, the San Diego chicken episode. <laughs> the chicken. Because <laughs> that just had like a... a, a well, I mean, it's a ridiculous story altogether, but it had a bit of Canadiana. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize, uh, you know, I didn't realize that much about the San Diego chicken at all. But you know, I was really surprised to learn that he was actually a Canadian-born uh, man, and that he, it, it hadn't even originated as a team mascot. He nope. was just a radio personality, really. He was just a chicken. He was just a short guy that could fit in a chicken suit <laughs> yeah. and became a millionaire. <laughs> yes, because of that. <laughs> so. What else? Is there, is there any others? I don't want to be like, what else do you what have? You, you shower me in, in, <laughs> in, praise. in praise. I also liked your Rinku Singh one. Oh, okay. As a more recent one because, uh, you know, uh, you kind of had, well, I don't think you intended to deceive me, but, you know, it started out obviously mostly about his, uh, you know, life through being the million dollar arm Arm. person and then you completely surprised me with you know what direction his career ended up taking you know these days but again i don't want to give away too much of the episodes people should go and listen to them that yeah i i like that one i I didn't think about that one as a favorite for sure but uh I just feel like uh, that that one had like some fun banter in it, you know, and we were like joking about him uh, not being able to show up to his new job and, you know, jokingly getting kicked out of three hotels while he mastered a skill that, you know, was integral to yes. making it. Yes. Know? So do you uh, do you want to do you want to do the what, what's your favorite? What was your favorite that you've done for the podcast? Like the most fun to read. You talked about Charlie Faust. Is that is that your like favorite? Uh, no. I think my favorite one was the one million pieces because it was just a, such a ridiculous story with like you know how complicated the system was of like keeping track of what the one millionth run was going to be, how it all started with like you know just a college kid doing the math from his baseball encyclopedia and being like holy shit like maybe i could make some money off a off a promotion for the millionth run you know and you know and how it all came down to like a foot race literally you know like maybe eight yards apart down to but like hundreds of miles apart, two thousand miles away yeah okay that was great i i want to take a moment to say i think in all honesty spence jp edzy um the two-part eric shell episode i did still to this day i honestly feel like it's like probably one of the best things i've ever written in my life (laughs) i i will say that that was one that i had a hard time leaving off the list and and frankly i did because i didn't want to write notes about a two-part episode (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, but yes, that's a great, great one you did. Yeah. No, that makes me. It makes me sad. Like that episode is. We're, we're talking about a lot of fun episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Like Charlie Faust and and the and the the million people. Like that one is like tragic. Yeah, that is a tragic story. So many ways, and the just the 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 life of Eric Shaw. So as a personal on this hundredth episode, uh, before we record this one that would that would be mine if, if if you're out there i would i would appreciate the listen for the eric Shaw episode and and all these that we're talking about honestly it's been so much fun doing these episodes with you edzy so uh yeah 
Listen to all of them. Yeah. Don't listen to yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, please listen to all of them, and then I'll echo your sentiment there. It has been fun doing baseball with you, Sean, for 100 episodes. So let's uh, get into the 100th episode, I guess. Okay, so first off, Enzi, um, it's our 100th episode, so we're going to just make sure that we reiterate our uh, nap le joie policy. Nap le joie for the... Oh, the name? The How name. How to pronounce his name? Yeah. It le is joie. Na- it's le joie. Yeah. It's not le joie. I've, I've heard many accounts that uh, contradict our pronunciation, but uh, John Lejoie is the first name I heard with that uh, spelling, so that's what I'm going for. That's it. Uh, Nap Lejoie only comes up once in this podcast today. Alright, interesting you would start with that then. Well, that's a 100th episode. I thought we'd just lay down the ground rules again. Okay. Um, so, September 22nd, 1870, Michael Riley Powers is born in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, a first generation Irish American. Okay, strong name. Yeah, Mike Powers. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Not bad. So Mike uh, was a catcher and a good one by the sounds of things. Something extremely rare and valuable back in those days. But he was also a bright young man. And I could not find basically anything about his childhood, guys. Um, but he did well enough in school to continue his education. And that's where we pick up with Mike's baseball career because he played baseball uh, at the College of the Holy Cross where he was a standout on the team and even helped in their recruitment convincing major leaguer Louis Sokalexis to join the team. Okay. Is that the name you said you were going to have a hard time with? There is several names. <laughs> it's just the first of many. Yeah. No, Lewis Sock, like, Edzie, remember I told you there's, anyways, this is the guy. We're going to, we're going to do a, uh, an episode on him, but to get a little bit more into it in the summer of 1893 powers, along with a few other members of the Holy Cross baseball team played in an amateur County league in Maine. Sock Alexis, a native American from the nearby, Penobscot, sorry, Indian Island Reservation played for one of the teams in the league and was an impressive talent. Powers encouraged Sock Alexis to return with them to Worcester, Massachusetts and enroll at Holy Cross, which he did, and the two became great friends. Okay. And it. So Powers and Sock Alexis. Yeah. Are good buddies now. They're good buddies. Eventually, the Holy Cross coach would leave for the University of Notre Dame, and many of his players, including Sock Alexis and Powers, would follow him, which is kind of weird, considering it's university. <laughs> I guess. You're just like, coach he's is like, leaving. It's like a Deion Sanders situation. <laughs> like, followed him to Notre Dame. You're going to transfer just because the baseball coach is changing? Yeah. So, all right. So... Um, Powers excelled in the classroom and behind the plate, displaying great defense and an ability to handle tough pitches his contemporaries wouldn't dream of catching or blocking. His hitting was never the best, but like so many catchers who would come after him, Powers would get a shot in the bigs for his sacrifice, cunning, and prowess behind the plate with a hit or an RBI just being a bonus. Okay. So they're not bringing him up for the bat. They they like how he just lets himself get smoked by wayward balls. He's a good blocker. <laughs> He's a great blocker. Okay. I really thought we weren't going to have a lot of information to talk about with Powers. But this is just one of those stories that comes up every once in a while in these episodes that you just love to just shoehorn in there. So in April okay. 1896, Powers would get his first taste of Major League talent as he played with the Petersburg Farmers of the Virginia League. The reigning National League champion, Baltimore Orioles, traveled to Petersburg, Virginia for a pair of exhibition games. They had a B lineup, but it was still big news when the Farmers pulled off a 7-7 tie against the Major League team. But in the second game, Powers would play a big role. But not in the way you'd think. Um... Basically, he was an umpire in this game. So they had two games. Okay. It's exhibition, and this is they, they didn't have real umpires, so the, the teams picked each picked a guy to, to ump one game. Okay. 
And it's just one umpire for the game or one guy from each team? One guy from each team. Okay. And Do you think that's like getting selected as like the designated driver? You're like, oh, <laughs> shit, I'm the ump this <laughs> time. Dad, right? yeah. You're the backup catcher. <laughs> right? Like, you, like powers. Also, by the sounds of things, he's, a, he's an upstanding guy. We'll get to that in a little bit. Like, he's a very... Uh, a trustworthy fellow. Uh, 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 like powers are call a sound game. Yes, exactly. Okay. So Petersburg was leading one to nothing in the seventh. And remember, the Orioles are already embarrassed because they got tied in the first game. Powers called Orioles third baseman Jim Donnelly out looking on strikes. Then a full-on fucking riot broke out. Nice. <laughs> what? So... I love a good baseball riot, by the way. Oh, it just hits different, you know? Oh, dude. this there one, guns at this one? There was definitely guns at this one. Okay. Um, I, just, I just love running full tilt like across a baseball field just to punch a guy in the head. <laughs> it's like you run for like a full kilometer. That's uh, an American mile. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You'd be a you'd be a good Petersburg fan because uh, you, you'll hear from, from the Baltimore Sun, and I quote... Several promising runs had been cut off by similar umpiring, and the birds were getting very sore at such outrages. Donnelly objected, and Hugh Jennings went up to Powers, who was standing behind the pitcher, and said something to him. Just then, Charles Schulte, who had also run up, struck Jennings in a stinging blow on the side of the head without warning. The oh blow, <laughs> the blow, sucker punched this guy. Yeah. Nice. Because he was yelling at his teammate, who was also the umpire. The blow, the blow drew blood. Orioles first oh. baseman Jack Doyle then punched Schulte, knocking him to the ground. This caused Petersburg's fans to pour onto the field as they began attacking Doyle and other members of the Baltimore club. Oh my! That's God. great. <laughs> No, I, I love a sucker punch, too. Like, they say it's not right to hit someone when they're not looking, but can you think of a better time? <laughs> same, same with don't kick a guy when he's down. Well, what are you going to do to him? Exactly. In this case, the, the fans saw that sucker punch and were like, we want in. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. We will avenge that. Yeah. So the Orioles fled back to their hotel. Uh, where the fans tracked them down. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Another fight ensued. Where do you stay? <laughs> and the Orioles were forced to flee on the next train out of town. All because Mike Bowers called strike three on Jim Donnelly. <laughs> God damn it, Mike. Um, so that was just a little shoehorn story in there. That Powers had very little... Well, I mean, he, he was the catalyst, but he didn't... You didn't, you know, they were, I found that on a very random baseball history website. So Powers would move on from Notre Dame and he would finish his doctorate, guys, fucking doctorate at the Louisville Medical College. And the reason he went to Louisville was because Mike Powers was headed to the big leagues. Woo. Okay. Yeah. You're telling me his name was Dr. Powers? His name is fucking Dr. Powers. <laughs> such a, that's such a villain name. It is amazing. It is shortened to Doc, but yes. Doc Powers? Yeah. That's even better. That's yeah. like an anti-hero, actually. It's like kind of a guy who's, you know, maybe he's he's seen some shit. <laughs> and he's like, changed his ways a bit. Doc Powers. fighting for the good side. Doc Powers is the kind of guy that lights a cigarette with another cigarette. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so Powers signed with the... Menthols. Louis <laughs> I don't think they had menthols in 1898. <laughs> Filterless for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, so pa on. Powers signed with the Louisville Colonels of the National League, where he made his major league debut at the age of 27 on June 12th, 1898, where he would play 34 games while catching 22 of them and occasionally filling in at first base. He did pretty decently. I, I rip on his hitting, and, and I will again. Uh, in 99 ABs, he hit uh, 273 with eight extra base hits, including his first major league home run. Pretty good considering I just shit-talked his hitting. Look at that. I, like, prefaced it, and I finished not it. not too bad. I mean, I don't think you really shit-talked his hitting. You just oh, more yeah. or less said he was much better known for his defense. That's true. That's true. And... 
I'll just get to it because he's not great at hitting. So 1899 powers were getting to 49 games with the Colonels. His batting stats came back to earth and he hit 217 with 12 extra base hits and 169 at bats. His teammates and the press would give him a nickname when they learned of his off-field studies and ambitions. And the rest of this episode, as we just discussed, he will be known as Doc Powers. Okay. (laughs) 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 So the doctor is sold. He is sold to the Washington Senators in September of 1899 he played just 14 games for the senators at the end of the season collecting 10 hits in 39 at bats uh the timing was poor for powers as the nl contracted after the 1899 season and louisville baltimore cleveland and washington all folded powers suddenly had no job but who cares you're a you're a doctor yeah, you got a backup plan. <laughs> yeah, that's a job, isn't it? A doc- world, <laughs> world domination. <laughs> he, he's not an evil doctor. Yet. Oh, okay. He's not Doctor yet? Evil yet. Did you say yet? I mean, he doesn't get there. He, oh, in okay. an alternative universe, he definitely becomes an evil doctor. <laughs> but, um, but there is a new league emerging at this time to rival the National League. And Doc Powers jumped aboard. He joined the Indianapolis Hoosiers of the American League, which at the time was still not a major league yet. The Hoosiers. What fin- year was this? Nineteen hundred. Yes. Okay. So the Hoosiers finished third, and Powers played 110 games for the club, but once again found himself on the outs as the Hoosiers folded at the end of the season because Ben Johnson was realigning the American League to compete with the National League. And Indianapolis, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Minneapolis would be replaced by clubs in Boston, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Washington in order to compete with the NL. So this is how the Philadelphia A's first season was born. Okay. 1901, uh, a former catcher named Connie Mack, who we have talked about at length on this without him having his own episode, was tasked with managing this team. But first, he needed players. Mack would not just recruit from folding American League teams, but also convince some players from the National League, including the aforementioned Nap LeJoie, to join the A's. But Mack also reached out to the doctor. Mack's biographer Norman Matched would later say, Mack preferred a good brain over a good bat behind the plate any day. All right. I mean, it makes sense. I think that's still pretty uh, common uh, sentiment today. Yeah. You'd be smart to be a catcher. I mean, you want your number one guy to hit, too, but... Well... Can't be hitting and dumb back there. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) Can't leave it all up to the pitchers. (laughs) You couldn't have a... No, no, face outwards. Face the guy on the mound. Face him. (laughs) You couldn't have Rube Waddell or uh, uh, behind the plate. So Powers uh, would find his long-term home in Philadelphia... He eventually took the Pennsylvania uh, state medical exam and became licensed to practice in the state. In the offseason, he would practice medicine and would even help many of his teammates with aches and pains. We get to that a little bit later, too. Um, In the A's inaugural season, Powers would play 116 games, which was a career high. He hit 251 with 32 extra base hits, including another home run. That makes up two home runs in the major leagues. Nice. The A's finished fourth in the league with a respectable 74-62-1 record uh, to start their existence. And one. And one. They tied. There's a tie. I guess, yeah. They no, didn't have lights. No lights, yeah. They didn't have lights. When it got dark, you couldn't... You took your ball and went home. Yeah. So, 1902, Powers became began to settle in as the backup catcher. In May of that year, A's picked up Ozzy... Schreckengost. That's the guy I was talking about. Okay, yeah, it sounds like he did pretty good. <laughs> Schreckengost. Classic Shrek. They knew they called him Shrek. Didn't I'm they? Not, yeah, I'm not I'm not kidding. We're gonna definitely do an episode on him one day. Okay. He was fucking crazy. <laughs> Lived in a swamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had a donkey that yeah. he said talked. <laughs> but so they pick him up from Cleveland, uh, and and by July, uh 
he basically Powers would be the backup to Shrek. Uh, Shrek was younger and hit 324 that year. Powers was no slouch at this point hitting. He hit 264, but had basically no power and only 10 extra base hits in 264 at bats, including two more home runs. In fact, would be uh, the last home runs he would hit in his career. So June 8th, 1902, against the Tigers' Joe Yeager. Uh, He hit a home run, and as you'll hear, he played seven more years and 1,400 more plate appearances without hitting a home run. Okay, so... uh... I'm just picturing a slap hitter kind of guy. Well, yeah. Like a Josh Tolley kind of dude, Not but a better hitter, maybe. A little bit better. Yeah, like Josh Tolley, Jeff Mathis, you know, all these backups that just don't hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I f- it sounds to me like uh, this guy hit better than Tolley would have, though. Oh, early, maybe. But, you know, anyway. We'll get to it. So the the. With these two, they got two great catchers. That's all we need to really know. Mack would uh, lead the A's to their first ever pennant in 1902, finishing five games ahead of St. Louis. Uh, there was no World Series back then, so they were just like, yay, we won the pennant. Uh, Powers lived in Jeffersonville, Pennsylvania, in the offseason, and uh, at this point he had a wife and two kids. Um, by the sounds of things, he's not an evil doctor, guys. <laughs> he's the... Damn. B- Best neighbor you could have. Oh, that's just a trick, man. Yeah. That's a cover. <laughs> so he gives his neighbors free medical assistance, uh, but also was like a talker. Uh, just loved to hold court at the pub or, or on the street corner and, and chat your ears off about anything. And okay. because it's, you know... Talk powers. Talk powers, yes, talk powers. I, I'm not kidding. That works with this next quote I'm about to hear. Because he, he was such a good talker and such a good neighbor that the Scranton Tribune wrote about it. Cool. Not about his baseball career, about how he's like Mr. Rogers. He's a nice guy. Yep. Okay. And I quote, Doc does the talking and others just listen. <laughs> For be it known that in oratorical leagues, powers bats in the 300 class. If he could be that good in the American League, he could afford to live in the city. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. This guy's a Hall was, of Fame talker. <laughs> was there just no news back then? Absolutely <laughs> no not, news. Apparently not. I think the real news is that you'd go to your neighbor for like medical stuff, you know? <laughs> like, hey, sorry, you know, the wife's making a cake. We just need a half cup of flour. Also, can you drain the cyst? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would tell you about it. He'd be like, yeah, I could absolutely drain this cyst. Do you want to know where the word cyst comes from? It actually... It's, it's like, you know... You know when you like used to buy some weed and you have to like talk to watch your drug dealer play Diddy Kong Racing for a half hour before he could leave with some pot? Like this guy will give you free medical advice, but you gotta listen bada bada your ear off about baseball. It's a Dude, jerk. Not just about baseball. The article goes on, Spence, to say power can talk about any subject, from how to boil cabbage without wasting water to seismic disturbances on skyscrapers. And the way Doc tells it, you're sure to be convinced. That's the thing, it's like they they noted in the newspaper that he's the kind of guy that just yaps over you. <laughs> Everyone had a noticeable, indifferent look in their face, just trying to play dead until he stopped talking about God knows what. Boiling well, no, no, cabbage. No, hold on, give it a chance. It's not God knows what. I'm very interested to know how you boil cabbage and <laughs> save water. But you gotta yeah, reuse that, that, the water. Yeah. That sounds like a good use of 15 minutes to listen to this jerk. Well, and, Wax poetic and, about cabbage. sauerkraut. Okay, you know? and, and, and Spence is right where he can be a bit of a jerk with his gabbing. Um, because, once again, this article also claims, and I quote, Power holds the record of nearly parting a bride and groom on their honeymoon and patching up the difficulty all in one night. He talked the bridegroom in and out of trouble. Okay, so he's a marriage counselor. This guy's really doing a lot. (laughs) Do you really want to be doing this, buddy? I don't think you really should be with this woman. I mean, look at her. I mean, damn, she's beautiful. Of course you should be with this lady. (laughs) Dude, did you hear what he said? Honey, you should be with him. He loves you. He was telling me everything. He's so good at talking, he can even reason with a woman. I I I wouldn't be surprised if that was like just like cut from the article because it was just a little too long. (laughs) 
So, back to not just random newspaper articles about how good he is at talking. Um, he, he's a part of a catcher tandem that's the foundation, you know, every manager would want. Um, and he, uh, yeah, Doc became an important part of the team and had the security of being the preferred and primary catcher for future Hall of Famer Eddie Plank. Plank was weird as fuck on the mound and with a long, deliberate delivery uh, that finished with a left-handed crossfire release that very much would get buried in the dirt. Like, I'm just thinking, I, I gabbled that that sentence up a bit. Just think of, like, Randy Johnson in the early 1900s. You know, just crossfire, left-handed, uh, really tough to catch that kind of a pitcher mm -hmm. that, that throws like that. And especially this guy had a weird delivery. Plank would talk to himself on the mound constantly when it was like, you know, he'd get to the seventh and he'd be like, nine outs, nine outs, nine outs. And he'd be saying it loud. And then eight outs, eight outs, eight outs. And he'd also be saying it loud. It would um, be a high pressure situation potentially. Yeah. So sports writer Stephen O'Golly would write, Doc handled everything. <laughs> yes, I know Stephen O'Golly. Doc Doc handled everything Plank could use without any apparent extra effort or trouble. Plank is not the easiest pitcher in the business to handle, as many a catcher who has tried will testify. But Powers apparently reveled in Plank's stubborn delivery. Crossfire Doc seemed to fairly or er, fairly eat up, and no matter how hard or low did some of Plank's shoots go. Powers invariably mitted them, which other catchers would have let slip away to the grandstand. So he's a backup defensive catcher. Yeah. He's great at catching Eddie Plank, who is a shithead to catch. And <laughs> he's Powers some very poetic praise in the newspaper. And this is the most uh, this is the most like early nineteen hundreds thing. So Powers would cheer on Plank and he would he would constantly yell back at Plank, Work hard, old boy, work hard. Okay. <laughs> It's like a curler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, very weird. Um, so Shrek and Ghost uh, was easily the better, and once again, the younger of the two. And Mac uh, sung his praises in the media, saying decades later that Shrek and Ghost, more with gloved hand than any other catcher uh, that who has come along. I think that's him saying Shrek and Ghost was a good defensive catcher, too. More with gloved hand than any catcher who has come along. That sounds... It sounds like that's what they're trying to say. But on the other side of things, even though Shrek and Ghost was better than Doc, he was also fucking nuts, with Max saying Shrek and Ghost was wilder, was the wilder of the two in many aspects. And <laughs> also, Shrek and Ghost uh, was Rube Waddell's personal catcher. And the two, okay. of the two, he was wilder. That's what he's saying there. Wilder I, than Rube Waddell, yes. the man who chased fire trucks and yes. was obsessed <laughs> with the color yellow? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so, that's saying something, buddy. Yep. So I'm betting that Connie Mack saw Doc, even as he began to age and slow down, as a bit of an old reliable type contrasted with Shrek's antics. And that's not to say Powers did not exhibit some habits known to ball players at the time. For one time, Rube Waddell told a young reporter in the team hotel who was just wandering around looking for a, a, a scoop. He's like, I'll, I'll take you to see Connie. But him and Doc Powers are playing poker, and Doc hates to be disturbed when they're gambling. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. so Doc's a gambler, but he's friends with the manager, right? So I don't know. I, I, just, I just kind of put that in there because it just kind of shows he's just... He's an older guy, right? He's in his 30s at this point. He's gambling with the coach. He's, he's just kind of like... Old school dude. Yeah. he's Salt of the earth, really. Yeah. So over the next two years, uh, Doc settled into to the role as backup and poker playing pal to Connie Mack. In 1903, he got into 75 games, collected just 12 extra base hits in 247 at-bats, hitting 227. But his bat began to fall off even more in the next two years. In 1904, he got into just 57 games and hit 190 with only three extra base hits in 196 at-bats. The now 33-year-old doctor's best days were definitely behind him, but his acumen behind the plate extended his career, as we just talked about. It was also great having a doctor on the team, as the Scranton Tribute 
or Tribune said, Whenever a ball player gets hurt during a game or a spectator becomes ill, the cry is always raised for powers, and he kindly obliges. I mean, Were there no doctors around? <laughs> <laughs> like, Not team like, doctors. Like, like each baseball team needs to have a doctor slash player if they want <laughs> If they want to save money, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. not much of a shortstop, but he's a great dentist. <laughs> That's awesome. so in 1905, the A's would win their second pennant, holding off the White Sox by two games. Powers would get just 60 plate appearances and 21 games for the A's during the regular season, but he also didn't spend the whole year with the A's. On July 13th, 1905, Powers was loaned, not traded, just loaned, to the New York Highlanders, who are now the Yankees, mm-hmm. who were beat up behind the dish. Powers would play just 11 games for the Highlanders before being sent back to the A's on August 11th. But in those 11 games, he caught a man named Eustace James Newton, otherwise known as Doc Newton. Because Newton was also a doctor. All right. Was he a mad scientist? <laughs> no, he was actually more of a dentist. As Spence nice. kind of hit on that early. Um, it, it was the only time in baseball history where the pitcher and the catcher were both doctors. All right. Cool. Interesting. Just random fact. So, Powers returns to the A's, and they go on to lose the 1905 World Series in five games to the Giants. Powers collected a double in seven at-bats in his only career trip to the World Series. From 1906 to 1908, Michael Doc Powers was the truest of true backup catchers, uh, averaging 60 games a year, hitting 173 with an on-base percentage of exactly 200, which is god-awful. Not very good at all. The closest the A's would come to winning another pennant with Powers was in 1907 when they finished a game and a half back of the American League champion Detroit Tigers. So why, I ask you fellows, did we do this episode on Michael Doc Powers? Well, the reason for that is if you Google his name and don't look hard enough, you will see Doc Powers referred to as the first major leaguer to die from his injuries sustained during a game. Oh. All right. Oh, Interesting. Shit. So. Because I thought I did the episode on possibly the first guy, but I'm, apparently I'm wrong. No, you're right. I am? Okay. But if you look at Power's Wikipedia, it cites a June 2002 uh, article by Jeff Marin on ESPN that says... Powers was catching in the first game played in Scheib Park in Philadelphia when he crashed into a wall going after a pop fly. He remained in the game but suffered from internal injuries that took his life two weeks later when gangrene set in after three operations. He was the first major leaguer to die from injuries sustained on the field. Jesus. Wow. Gangrene set in. Yeah. If you look at findagrave.com, you'll see that Frank Russo wrote... He died from internal injuries sustained while chasing a foul ball in Scheib Park's inaugural game April 12th, 1909. And once again, just because rule of three, we all love comedy here. If you see Bleacher Report's listicle from June 2011, it says the following. The first Major League Baseball player to die from injuries sustained on the field was Doc Powers. So... He did die. He fucking died, guys. (laughs) (laughs) In April 1909, Powers was a catcher for the Philadelphia Athletics. In the first game at Scheib Park, he crashed into a wall uh, chasing a fly ball. I don't know why I'm reading this again. Sorry, I started at the wrong point. But none of this is true at all. Like, he might have crashed into a wall chasing a pop fly. There's no doubt like that could happen. But no article or, or breakdown of the game mentions anything of the sort. It's all bullshit, and we know so because of Robert D. Warrington, who wrote an article that was published in the 2014 Sabre Fall Baseball Research Journal, in which Warrington dug through the game accounts that surround and the surrounding coverage from the local press, and what he found was... A very kind of simple and less heroic explanation for Doc's death. And this, boys, fellas, people, (laughs) 
is where we start talking about sandwiches. All right. Hey, you said there'd be sandwich (laughs) discourse, and I forgot until just now. So I'll bring it back here. But on at, at, at age 38, Doc Bowers would play his final game, as mentioned, April 12th, 1909. He played hard and caught his battery mate and friend, Eddie Plank, who would throw a complete game, allowing just one unearned run. The A's would win. It was a great thing. But something was wrong with Doc. He was putting in an admirable effort, but was noticeably sick squatting in front of podcast alumni and brutal empire Tim Hurst. (laughs) He would go one for four with a run scored, but was described as looking extremely uncomfortable in the 8-1 win over the Red Sox. Doc collapsed in the locker room at the game's end and was transported to Northwest General Hospital because a physician from the hospital was at Shad Park and after making a hasty diagnosis in the clubhouse, advised sending him there. So I think there was a closer hospital, but they were like, no, no, I won't get this one. Send him there. <laughs> um, so so he's he, he didn't... There's no... He's hurt somehow, but it, there's nothing recorded that that says he hurt himself on the field running into a wall or something. So right. I'll, I'll quote it now from the Philadelphia Inquirer, which reported... The only thing that occurred to cast a shadow over the joy of the fans was the seizure of Doc Powers with acute gastritis in the seventh inning. The redoubtable catcher, however, refused to abandon his post behind the plate and throw suffering intense agony, pluckily stuck to it until the end of the game. On the verge of collapse, he was taken to Northwest General Hospital, where last night it was stated by physicians attending to him that he would probably be able to don a uniform again in a few days. Okay, so they're hopeful for his return. And I mean, he, he did does, go one for four. Yeah, he went one for four. I think it was a double. Too. <laughs> so he's okay. <laughs> so he scored yeah. a run. Yeah. You know, he's good. But so they're saying gastritis, right? Which is like basically like yeah, you got diarrhea. Like <laughs> your stomach's upset. And the culprit at first was believed to be a sandwich. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Back to the Philadelphia Inquirer, April 13th now, 1909. Powers ate a few sandwiches before the game. And these, with undue excitement, the doctor labored under... With the undue excitement the doctor labored under during the game, brought on the attack, which did more to knock him out than any of the foul tips shot off the Boston bats. (laughs) Taken down by a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah. So once again, this article saying... Like, apparently this sandwich, like, nothing that happened in the game hurt him as much as apparently this sandwich. We'll, we'll find out. It's like this Homer is, Simpson, this the six-foot sub. Yeah, yeah, this is a cheese sandwich <laughs> we're talking about. This was a, a cheese sandwich, everyone, just to, where it was, it was blamed on a cheese sandwich we had hammered down before the game and upset his stomach. And goddamn, imagine being Tim Hurst. And he's squatting in front of you. shitting his his pants while squatting in front of you. Uh, I think you should leave this game, Doc. No, I'm good. (laughs) So, the New York Times reported, it was said to have been caused by a sandwich he ate while the game was in progress. So now the sandwich is is on the field. (laughs) We've placed the sandwich in the dugout. Yeah. It was made by the trainer. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> no matter what he ate that day, or probably even the day before, uh, it was revealed that a cheese sandwich was not what killed Doc Powers. Whatever it was, though, and as you'll see, uh, you can it's it, very, very serious. So he would die on April 26, 1909, at the age of 38. The early assessment of Powers were positive, but when his condition worsened, the game, the game doctors, the doctors were forced to operate on Powers. During the surgery, surgeons discovered that Powers had 15 inches of gangrenous intestine. This was something that could not have happened in a day and definitely was not caused by a sandwich, a foul tip, or running into the bleachers after chasing a pop fly. Powers was suffering um, from Intussusception. I think I said the intussusception. Doesn't matter. It sounds rather shitty. Yeah. Just extreme bubble guts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Deceptions. <laughs> in in Tons Deceptions, a rare uh, disorder uh, where basically part of your intestines like slide into each other, uh, and and it causes them to like start rotting. Uh, you know, like when like the spinach starts rotting, like at the bottom of the yeah, the, the container just all coagulates. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's like stops you know everything from passing through, and it just collects and and you know just blocks off and starts to it's like rot. A, it's like a news blockage. Yeah. So, th- but also like if you find this early enough, it's it's normally not that big of a deal. Um, but. At this point, they opened him up. It wasn't the same. Like, it's not. He didn't have the surgery in gangrene. There's a cheese sandwich in here. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have the surgery and then gangrene set in. They had the surgery and they were like, oh, this guy's full of gangrene. (laughs) It's not good. Okay. Um, So the situation was serious, but surgeons were optimistic that Doc's condition would improve. It did not. A week later, they had to perform a second operation uh, where they did all these these things. the hope was really short-lived. On the morning of April 25th, his condition began to deteriorate. A third operation uh, was revealed to... He was experiencing acute dilation of the heart. At that point, Doc Powers slipped in and out of, conscien- uh, in and out of consciousness, and at 9.14 on the morning of April 26th, Michael Doc Powers died. According to one newspaper account, Powers, with his medical training knew of his impending doom and cried out before dying. I am so sorry, guys. Fuck, I forgot about this part. <laughs> I've got no pulse! I've got no pulse! Oh my god. <laughs> Which is absolutely horrifying to just, oh. To, to be conscious and feel your heart stopping? Yep. And and exclaim it to the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're not quite done here, but as you can tell, he did not die from running into a wall or a foul tip he he died because he had a, a condition that's pretty rare and and he probably ignored uh for a long time because there's no way that he, he you know basically that's one of the weirdest it sounds things. like he'd been shitting his pants for a while yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and he's a doctor so he should i mean he should have known but like honestly i don't want to get into a uh, you know on my soapbox about you know male health and stuff like that but go to the doctor if your stomach hurts like come on <laughs> Even a doctor you didn't do it. You might have 15 inches of gangrenous intestine. You yeah. don't know. So, Connie Mac, Have you had a cheese sandwich recently? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all have had cheese sandwiches recently. We're all people. <laughs> okay. Made grilled cheese last night. Exactly. <laughs> so, Connie Mack eulogized his friend uh, in the Philadelphia Inquirer on April 27th, 1909. To me, his death comes as a great personal shock. He was the only player left on the team which opened the first American League championship season in Col- at Columbia Park, and there existed between us a bond of friendship that makes the separation doubly hard to bear. So poor Connie he lost his buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, the funeral God, took- he was a great card player. <laughs> <laughs> he owes me money still. Yeah. <laughs> the funeral took place at St. Elizabeth's Roman Church, uh, Roman Catholic Church on April 29th, and thousands showed up to pay their respects, so many that the surrounding streets were crowded with mourners as the church was at its capacity. Powers left behind a wife, uh, Florence, and now three children. Uh, they were out of a husband and a provider. Connie Mack approached AL President Ben Johnson about sponsoring a benefit at Scheib Park to financially aid the Power family. And on June 30th, 1910, was selected as Doc Powers Day. The day would feature a baseball skills competition and an exhibition game, and all the proceeds would go to the family. Uh, you guys, that's nice. Yeah, some some of you listening are gonna know these names. Uh, you know, some of you listening in this room are not gonna know some of these names. You guys want to hear who who won the skills competition on Doc Powers Day? Yes, yes. please. So Harry Hooper threw a ball three hundred and fifty six feet and four inches. Which is fucking impressive. <laughs> I've heard of him. Harry Hooper, uh, runner-up, uh, a Tris speaker, could only manage 345 feet and seven and a half inches. Which is still, a, a, that's huge. That's an absolute, that's it's a great arm. Pat Donahue of Philadelphia had the most accurate arm. Ellie, Eddie Collins was the fastest around the bases. And in a relay base running competition, Philadelphia and Boston tied. The race was run a second time, and both teams tied again. <laughs> Even matchup, man. So what do we do now? <laughs> Coin toss. 
right. <laughs> Philly won the race on a coin toss, which is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to finish off, a special program was printed for Doc Powers Day. It was sold for ten cents a piece. All the proceeds from the sales went to the Doc Powers family. Uh, to encourage attendees to buy the program, each copy was numbered, and Florence Power would choose two numbers in a drawing. One winner is, would receive a free pass to attend Athletics home games for the remainder of the season, while the other winner would receive a pass to attend the rest of the Phillies home games for the rest of the season. Hmm. Pretty good, pretty, pretty good, good win. Prizes, yeah. um, Doc Powers Day was a grand success by newspaper accounts. More than 12,000 people paid admission. And $8,000 was raised for his family. It's about $270,000 in today's money, which just probably goes a longer way than today, too. So mm -hmm. it's a good chunk of change. Uh, Philadelphia sports writer Grant, George Graham eulogized the intelligent, clunky old backstop in the program on Doc Powers Day. Powers was always a far better catcher than he was credited with being. He wasn't much of a hitter, in fact, one of the poorest in the league, and he was painfully slow on the bases. But behind the bat, he was alert-minded, he handled the mitt well, and had a great arm. And that, guys, was Doc Powers. All the right. first guy to die during a... or not during a game, but rumored to have been killed. Eat your heart out, Lou Gehrig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ray, Ray Chapman. Ray Chapman, yeah. yeah. get out of it the is record much, books there. It's much more of a Lou Gehrig story than a Ray yeah. Chapman story. Right. I thought, when I... Honestly, guys, I thought it was going to be a, 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 a Ray Chapman story, and if anybody doesn't know Ray Chapman, early episode we did, he gets hit in the head by a pitch and dice. Uh, sorry to give it away, but <laughs> it's, it's, okay. pro it's probably one of the most famous stories in baseball. So yeah. uh, I thought, I when I looked into this, I was like, oh my God, this guy like runs into a fence and then bleeds out. <laughs> like That was the kind of story I thought we mm -hmm. had. But, but he's had a mama cast yeah. sandwich and <laughs> died of bubble gut. <laughs> and we appreciate you setting the record straight on that shot. Yeah, yeah, it kind of sucked to like, have my dreams dashed uh but i mean I, yeah it was, it was much more interesting to talk about the the legend and and then the possibility of of, of sandwich side as opposed to you know <laughs> the the real story but anyways that, that was that was fun uh i don't know hope you guys liked that one that was great thank you buddy loved it loved it yeah, and thank again thanks for setting the record straight on that story sean and thanks again for you know another or thanks again for a hundred episodes and here's to hopefully a hundred more and thank you guys for for joining us yeah congrats guys 100 100 episodes that's huge thank you thank yep. you well we're celebrating let's go to 200 we're going to 200 we're going to take a break though this is the last episode of i guess you could call this season uh which is season five if we want to put it we'll, we'll be back in uh 2024 Probably late January. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have episodes for you every two weeks telling you about baseball history. Edzie, really proud that we got here. I'm uh, proud of you too, buddy. Yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, something I look forward to. It's an intellectual exercise uh, that I love doing, and it keeps us close. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a, a better baseball bud. Oh, that's nice, buddy. And I share the same sentiment. I'm not going to get as long-winded, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, One more time. Uh, let's go in reverse order this time. Spence, uh, uh, tell... Uh, I don't know if you have social media, but uh, say say a little something about yourself. Thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, check out uh, my band, Faceplant. And, uh, yeah, we're out there. You're Enjoy. Faceplant's fucking sick. So, thanks, buddy. Yeah, so thanks for so stray me. rebel bullet. Uh, it's JP, you wanna you wanna plug your plug your plugs one more time? Yeah, yeah. Check out uh, the band Stray Rebel Bullets on all the streaming platforms, and uh, find me on Spotify too. Jean Poncelet on Spotify. I got a got some stuff coming out. It was great thanks to see you, JP. On. I love you, buddy. You too, Spence. Yeah, I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you. I don't think since you were on my old show, the the morning after. That's true. Yeah, I haven't seen you in a while, but you're uh, one of my favorite people, and I just uh, adore you. So it's good to see you. Oh, about. likewise, just like the rest of you, Sean and Ed. Yeah, we feel the same way, JP. We, we love you, buddy. We love you guys, and uh, that's why we wanted you to be here for this monumentous occasion. Beep. And uh, yeah, it's been. It's actually. Well, I, it's been a long time since. Uh, you know, I, I don't think the four of us have ever been in a room together before. But but the, no. in in threes, we've been in several rooms together. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, hey, what day? What day is Doc Powers Day again? Do you remember? Oh God, I gotta just open it up here. Uh, it was, I think it was, it was June thirtieth, nineteen ten. June thirtieth. What do you say, guys? We we meet up here June thirtieth. We have a cheese sandwich together. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. That rules. That is it. We'll 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 post photos uh, to our Twitter and stuff. Which is Edzy. Yes. Uh, at doing baseball and Instagram and TikTok at doing dot baseball and my personal is at Ed's do baseball. That's right. You can follow me at Sean do baseball. However you're listening to this, whether Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, whatever you're doing, however you're doing it, we really appreciate uh, you coming out listening to us. Uh, tell your friends. Tell tell your tell your you're you're not your friends. Just tell everybody. Tell everybody about it and give us a review. We really appreciate reviews. Uh, it helps the podcast and you know what we're gonna be here for another hundred episodes whether you like it or not so you might as well give us some feedback just saying <laughs> and until next time i'm sean and i'm ed we were doing the baseball thanks Spence. saints jp thanks everybody okay bye, bye. Nintendo Switch situation. So he just like reaches behind him, pulls up the Switch. I'm like, this guy is f- fucking dialing it in. I was so jealous. See? Uh, you got the mattress inside baseball, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Definitely. He's definitely jerked off on that. Oh, 100%. Oh, J- I know your type. <laughs> JP, I know this is the equivalent of me being like, hey, I'm going to Montreal. We should hang out. But like, I'll be in Phoenix for a couple weeks in February. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I'm on. I live, I live in a different state. I know. That's what I'm <laughs> and he had a he had a ton of very specific cola. Yeah, he had very. Wait, he was no, a cola connoisseur. Oh, the kid who made us sandwiches. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, I got a bunch like of RCs the... for you guys too. Telling t- ten people to come over to your place for cheese sandwiches and like and and we RC were... colas and weed. We were just we like started running. <laughs> we just started jogging and high five. It was like a Motel Eight with like eleven people in one room. Over <laughs> <Only> that. <laughs> Spence, Sean, Edzy. I'll see you guys later. Till next time, buddy. Love you, bye, right, man. Later. Bye now. See ya.